Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today, we have a different show than we planned. Because we don't have a Patreon account. And therefore, we just paid for all of this ourselves, and we didn't feel like paying for Apple Plus to watch Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. So instead, we decided to do the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, and it it was a choice. It's a little bit before our time period. We do the 80s and 90s, but this was 78, so it's pretty close. And I feel like Star Wars screams 80s. Yeah, I think of Star Wars. I mean, I know it came out in 77 originally, yeah. but I feel I feel like it, the the real push of it like really came in well, the 80s. Well, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi were all in the 80s. And so, yeah, I definitely think that that fits. And then my favorite movie, of course, is Phantom Menace. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maybe my favorite movie is the Star Wars Holiday Special. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to find out. Before we talk about the Star Wars Holiday Special, we are going to do our non-sponsored snack review. Today's non-sponsored snack review is... Chunky. Chunky Bar. Now, have you ever had a Chunky before? I have. It's been a long time, though. I have never had this before. Really? Yeah. And I always wanted to, especially, there's a um, a bit on The Office, one of the episodes, they do a bit with different candy bars, and then Michael goes to give Pam a hug, and he says that he has a Chunky in his pocket. <laughs> and that's, like, the big joke. But I, I, and, and I, I rewatched that the other day, and I was like, I've never actually had a Chunky bar. So I thought it would be kind of fun to try. So why don't you take a bite of it and I'll tell you a little bit of the I'll take a bite. I remember this is like a four square chocolate. Yeah. So we'll see what it... I'll I'll eat it and talk a little bit. It's thicker than a lot of other candy bars, but it's smaller as well. As Steve said, it's it's a square, basically. And it's... What's interesting about this is I did not realize until I bought it that it has... It's milk chocolate... With raisins and roasted peanuts. Yeah, this is raisins in here. Yeah, but the original... Is is that roasted peanuts? Because I thought walnuts. No, it's peanuts. Interesting. It tastes tastes like a glorious gourmet raisinette. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I... I took a bite of it right before. That's what I thought, too. And it is um, originally milk chocolate raisins, cashews, and Brazil nuts. Oh. But I'm guessing that that was probably too expensive. too expensive. Yeah. So it was created by candy maker Philip Silversheen and in New York City in the late 1930s. And it was distributed by his friend was William Wrigley Jr. of the Wrigley Gum. Oh, okay. Company. So the Wrigley Gum Company just distributed this bar. And this is probably, again, kind of like the Aero Bar we talked about. It had been around for a while, but then Nestle got a hold of it in the 80s. And that's what happened here, too. So in 1984, Nestle assumed the rights of the Wrigley Company. Probably around the same time that they had all those ads. 
for Wrigley gum. Like remember yeah. all those eighties ads and, um, and they changed the ingredient and in, they changed the ingredients in 1984 to be milk, chocolate, raisins, and peanuts. And of course now it's, um, Ferrero, which purchased Nestle. So in 1950s, it could be purchased for five cents, but they had a smaller version called Chunky Cutie. Okay. Which you could buy for two cents, which I think is kind of interesting. But the Chunky Square, they had a pavilion at the 1964 World's Fair in New York City. Interesting, in Queens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where they could people could watch how it was manufactured, which is kind of neat. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of the a little bit of the history of the Chunky Bar. By other my last facts, the advertising slogans were "Chunky, what a chunk of chocolate," and also "Open wide, open wide for Chunky," which. <laughs> Absolutely. Open wide for Chunky. That sounds so great. That's going to be my new slogan. Yeah. And I guess they do have other, um, they have other varieties. Like they have solid milk chocolate. They have dark chocolate. They had deluxe nut, which had like cashews, hazelnuts, almonds, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then they had a pecan. Oh, okay. I've never seen any of the different varieties. I've only just seen the regular. They they all say that they were discontinued. So I don't think that they lasted very long. So what? Do you, so we do one out of five for the yep. snack, one out of ten for the show. Today, it is Star Wars. So what do you want to rate it out of? One out of five Wookies. Yes, it's all about the Wookies today. Not one out of five Wookies. Okay, I'm gonna give this. This is like, I don't know, man. I'm almost at a five with this. I've never had this before, and it was delightful. Having said that, the last chocolate I ate was that arrow bird from oh, last gosh. week, and it was horrifying. I wanted another chocolate to kind of make up for that. So, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm between a four and a five. Where are you on it? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. It's very good, but... But the thing is, is like I've had it before and then just didn't have it again for probably 10 years. Yeah. And so if it was so amazing and memorable, I feel like I would have eaten it more. That's a good point. Right. That would be a five. But it's it's really good and solid. Like three is average. So it's above average. Okay. Right. I'm, I think I am. I'm going to give it a five. I would eat if I could. I can't because also um, it says may contain wheat. So I couldn't actually ingest but i did taste a little bit of it so i can't have it again but if i could i would i would have this would be like one of my go-to candy bars after eating it yeah big time it was really good so four and a half wookies oh no that's how about a wookie and a lovey Okay. That's the little Wookiee. That's the little one. So four Wookiees and a lovey. Yeah. Okay, I can live with that. This is like when we had cats for Elf. We were like, we can't cut them in half. We keep forgetting to do inanimate things. So let's get into it. Steve, the year is 1978. Can you give us a brief, a brief synopsis as best you can of, I don't want to ruin it for people, like... Because okay. we're going to go beat by beat, and All I don't right. want to give away my rating. So this is after Star Wars, before Empire Strikes Back. Right. Okay? And so they decide to throw together a Hollywood 
or like a holiday special for Star Wars um, that's about basically Han Solo and, and Chewie are trying to get back to Chewie's family to yes. celebrate Life Day, which is a made-up Star Wars holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of looks kind of like Christmas or Thanksgiving, maybe. It's un, it, it's un, indescript. It's supposed to be kind of the two combined. The merge, yeah. Yeah. So they're worried because he's there late because there's Imperial forces. There's a couple cameos from Darth Vader. You have cameos also from all of the Star Wars characters. Luke, Leia, um, C-3PO, R2-D2, right? Han, obviously, and Chewie. We get to meet Chewie's family, his dad, his wife, and his son. Um, And so you get to see kind of what life is like on Chewie's home planet. Mm -hmm. Um, As well as all these little side things, which we'll get into. Like little side, like... Musical performances. Yeah, it's done a little bit like a variety show. Almost, yeah. Yeah, which were um, popular at that point in time. Right, yeah. yeah. And so, uh, basically the whole point of it, though, is they're waiting on Han and Chewie to get there. Uh, the Imperial forces come and kind of inspect their house. And then, finally in the end, Han and Chewie do get there in time. They celebrate Life Day. And at the end, everybody is there to like enjoy it together. And it's like a holiday thing. Um, basically, I think they were just... They wanted a special, and they were trying to play off of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, like, you know, in its popularity, because this is literally probably a year after Star Wars was released. Yeah, and what's... My my first fun fact about this is that I, I, I did look at a number of articles, okay? And there seems to be a debate as to how much influence George Lucas had in this. Mm-hmm. Because he's not credited, and so some articles are like he had almost nothing to do with the special. And then other articles were like, it was his idea to have this be mostly about the Wookiees. And that one of the issues is that they don't speak English. And there's nobody to translate, and there's no subtitles. Yeah, we'll kind and, of get that in, get get yeah, into that. Yeah, so when we do but the that thing, the, but. apparently there's some people who are like the writers didn't like it, and they went to George Lucas, and they were like, we should change it, and he's like, no, this is a special at the Wookies. And there's other people who are like, he was working on the second movie for Star Wars, he didn't mm-hmm. have time to. So we don't know how much influence he had. Right. That's my kind of my point. It was meant for both Thanksgiving and Christmas. It aired only once, November 17th, 1978. So the version that we watched was on YouTube, and we're going to share that on our Facebook page for anybody who wants to watch this. Yeah, and it's interesting because it only aired once, right? Yeah. So this was something while I was growing up in the 80s and 90s that I knew of. Right. People talked about the Star Wars holiday special, but not a lot of people had seen it. Right, so that's... Because that's, it was before, like, YouTube and the internet where they yeah. could put it out there for people. So this is the thing, and we're, we're going to talk about our memories. I guess we can talk about our memories of Star Wars in general, because neither of us had seen this, because you would have been one at the time, and I, hadn't, I wasn't born. Yeah, not at all. So we've never, and just, it did, it was on Disney Plus for a brief period of time, and then I guess they took it off, and they have, like, a Lego holiday special in there, Star Wars Lego. But, um, yeah, this is something that 
I didn't do research till after we watched it because I wanted to go in totally, and I had expectations. So I guess we can talk about that. You didn't want to have any bias when you saw. No, I didn't. I really wanted to. I really wanted to go in like just really blind. It aired in about thirteen million American homes. Wow. And the special went through two different directors. So the first director was David Ekomba. He was a classmate of George Lucas's at USC Film School. Okay. But um, they they really wanted to um, make it like a variety show, which were super popular in the 70s. Yeah. You have SNL kind of played off of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's a it's a version of a variety show. Carol Burnett um, had her show. Hee Haw. Hee Sonny and um, Cher. The uh, Mandrell sisters. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, you had a lot of... And Lawrence Welk, which my grandparents loved. Yeah, I don't loved. remember them as much. We I watched, when I was a little kid, Hee Haw and the Mandrell sisters, but that's you kind were of a in country Texas, thing. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, what happened is that he, um, he shot a few of the segments... Um, he did the cantina scene and he did the Jefferson starship scene, um, which we'll talk about later. But basically he was unfamiliar with a multicam setup and he'd been used to working and directing with single cams. Mm -hmm. So he left the project and then Steve Binder came on. Now, Steve Binder had done Steve, Steve Allen, Soupy Sales. Um, he'd worked with people like Patti LaBelle, Pee Wee Herman, John Denver, Liza Minnelli, um, probably Pee Wee Herman later, right. I'm guessing. <laughs> but he, he he had a lot more experience in that type of genre. Yeah, and he worked also before with Petula Clark and Elvis. So that's a pretty hard-hitting resume for the 70s. Yes. Right? Um, yeah, so they, they have... I don't want to get into beat by beat... Uh, and talk too much about the segments but as steve said all of the people did cameos right Right. and apparently it was because they were contractually obligated but carrie fisher had in her contract that she would only do the special if she were allowed to sing a song because apparently she was trying to launch a music career Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I don't... Maybe she didn't realize how big Star Wars was going to be. <laughs> um, we also have a number of cameos. Um, Harvey Corman, who I think was on the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, I reckon... I, didn't, I don't really know Harvey Corman too well. I recognized him as a comedian. I'd right. seen in things probably like... Carol Burnett or in that type of era. And he has three different roles, including one. Now, the research said that he was in blackface. I did not, because we're watching it on YouTube and it's a copy, Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that he was in blackface. To me, it looked like maybe orange or green. He was playing an alien. Yeah, but apparently he was supposed to be in blackface, and I guess people at the time were angry about it. But I didn't realize it when we were watching it. Um, but there are other people, so Jefferson Starship, who I mentioned, Diane Carroll, um, and B. Arthur, who's credited as Beatrice Arthur, which really made me laugh, mm-hmm. like, quite a bit. Um, Diane Carroll sings a song, Jefferson Starship, uh, plays a song, B. Arthur sings a song, kind of, which is interesting, because she had done Broadway, but she, like, talk sings. Yeah, she plays, she actually has a quite a bit of... Yeah. She has quite a bit of camera time. Yeah. 
and, and, and plays the bartender on Tatooine. Yeah, and then Carrie Fisher also sings a song, as we mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's also the animated segment, which is interesting. So this is based on... It, it was supposed to be a visual style inspired by Mobius, which is this guy whose actual name is Jean Gerard. And it's basically like psychedelic fantasy surrealism. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the look that they were going for with the animated segment. Um, it was also the first appearance of Boba Fett. It was. Which I did not realize. that, yep. And it... Then he shows up in Empire Strikes Back. Right. So it basically, though, becomes canon because now they've interacted with him. And if I'm not mistaken, he doesn't have a big part in Empire Strikes Back. He doesn't. He's shown at the very end. But he has a pretty big part in the animated segment of this. Oh, yeah. So mostly all about him and and them. Yeah. So it's very interesting that that it was kind of canon and now it's like a question. Is it canon or is it not? Um, and now he has his own series on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's true. Right, that's so, true. I mean, it really Boba Fett's one of those characters that was interesting because he doesn't have a lot of screen time. I mean, he has obviously quite a bit in the cartoon. Yeah, he has. He's in the last maybe ten minutes uh-huh. of Empire Strikes Back, right? Yeah, and then he's in the beginning of Return of the Jedi, and he we think he dies. Right, and then they bring him back for this this for the, this for the show. Series. Yeah. Um, so they had a number of, they had some issues making this because they only had so much money because it was going to be on TV, right? right? Which is why I think you get some of the segments that you get. So the, the, so there's a ton of Wookiees. Okay. So that two things happen. The first is that the family, the family's Wookiee suits of the wife, father, and son, Mm Mm-hmm. They were what this one article called functional death traps. And apparently they were so cheaply made, the actors could only be in them for like 20 minutes and then they'd get overheated. And then they needed rest and fluids and then a couple times they needed oxygen. How did they... Was it just that Chewbacca's suit was somewhat better made because it was for a movie? Yeah, because it was for a movie and they took time with it. But this, like, they kind of rushed a bunch of things. So then when it comes to the Life Day scene, there's supposed to be a ton of Mm Wookiees. So what they decided to do was, we're going to put them all in these robes. And just put masks on them. (laughs) And put masks on them. So the the burgundy kind of colored robes that Mm -hmm. they're all wearing for this scene is because everybody has their street clothes on, basically, mm. with these Wookiee masks on to, and hands, you know, and not even their feet because they go all the way down to the ground, which I thought was kind of like, I thought it was kind of funny. About I mean, that. It's, it's, I guess it's an ingenious way to get around a low budget. Yeah. If you have to have a lot of Wookiees, which would normally be, you know, a, a drain on the costume department. I guess it's a, it's a, interesting kind of get around yeah it was it was a choice that they made um they also they had to um they had to record over an hour of wookie speech i'm just like right like that so apparently they just like go into a recording studio and just different actors are just making these wookie sounds and then um you know kenny baker as r2d2 didn't he was snubbed in the credits. Yeah, 
I noticed that. I was kind of going to wait to talk about that. I forgot. But yeah, so they don't they don't mention him in the in the credits. Everybody else, including C three PO, is credited by the actor. And on R two D two, it just says R two D two as R two D two. Right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so they had over. They had five or six writers for this. Bruce Valanche was one of the head writers, which to me explains a lot. If mm. you know anything about his style of humor. Yeah. Um. But basically, a lot of the. Well, I don't want to get into reception, but George Lucas does not care for this movie. <laughs> And he was trying to basically, he didn't allow it to be re-released or rebroadcast, and he said he would smash it with a sledgehammer if he could have. So that's kind of how he felt about it. Um, but we'll get into uh, the full review and recap in a minute, and we'll also, let you know, instead of memories, do you want to talk about expectations? What you thought this was yeah, going to be? Yeah, let's do that. Alright, so we'll talk about our what our preconceived notions of this Since were. Since neither of us had any memories. Yeah. And um, and when we, when we come back we'll talk about that and we'll do our full review and our recap. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Megan. And I'm Steve, and I hope you didn't turn that podcast dial. In the 10 seconds I know of you music. didn't, because <laughs> you wanted to hear our takes on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah, there are going to be some hot takes this week, as they yeah. say. This is their spoiler warning. It was, <laughs> it was not good. Okay. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say that right now. So, what were your expectations? Okay, so we had to watch this separately which was interesting also yes because i'm glad that we did because if we had we would have talked about it before we're having this conversation that's true you watched it here and i was in boston yeah um so i thought (laughs) i don't know why i thought this but i thought it was gonna be much more like muppet family christmas because muppet family christmas right is we should have watched that. But that is the entire Muppet universe. The Muppets come and they're coming home for Christmas. And then the Sesame Street gang comes and then the Fraggle Rock people are there. And right. The, right all of that. And I thought that it was going to be something like that that was much more holiday. I knew somehow I kind of knew that there were songs in it. And that's just how, how I kind of pictured it in my head. So I thought somehow... I didn't know that it was Thanksgiving and Christmas mashup. I really thought this was a Christmas special, not just like a holiday special. Um, But when I looked up uh, Thanksgiving specials from like the 80s, this is one of the ones that popped. So, yeah, that's... Because it was released on the 17th of November? Yeah, probably. And because it is, it's the holiday special. Right. Right. Um, And so even though it's the 70s, uh, it, it came up in, in a couple of lists because we needed something instead of Charlie Brown, right? So, yeah, I just, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it was nothing. It was nothing at all what I thought it was going to be. What did you think it was going to be? Well, I would have been okay with what you thought it was going to oh, be. Oh, wait, can As I... As you know, the Otter family Christmas. Yeah, the Emmett Otter. Emmett Otter is my favorite Christmas show, but... And I would have been okay with that. I thought, well, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say one more thing that I didn't know it was from 78. And I also 
fully anticipated that there would be a lot of Ewoks in this. Because little kids who saw Star Wars for the first time really loved Ewoks. And so I thought there would be like a Christmas thing, maybe on Endor with like a bunch of Ewoks. Right, yeah, but this is... This is nine years before that. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that part Um, of it, though. So I expected it to be more Star Wars-y. Okay. I thought it was going to be more of, like, a shorter story about Star Wars. Mm. Um, Like, in between movie one and two. Action, right. But then have kind of a holiday theme around it. Like, maybe maybe they were going to... And I guess I heard it was about Life Day. I knew that because I know... Star Wars fans, and I'm kind of a Star Wars fan, but hardcore Star Wars fans, like sometimes, like at like at Disney World during the Star Wars area, they'll do Life Day, right? In the winter, they'll okay. do like a Life Day celebration. So I kind of knew that was involved, but I thought there would be more action sci-fi with just that as part of the plot, and like that's at the end or something. yes, yeah, that's right. what I kind of expected. This is interesting because I like that. Your expectation is that it's a mini Star Wars movie, and my expectation is that it's it's more like the Muppets. Right. <laughs> we each brought in what we wanted it to be, and neither of us was right. We were neither. Yeah, correct. Neither of us was correct at all. We were both completely wrong. Both of our ideas would have been better. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, this was even if your idea had been there, I would have been happy with it. Okay, but. Let's go beat by beat through what I can only describe as a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> don't hold back. <laughs> I'm not. And I don't normally spoil I don't normally spoil my rating, but I'm going to today. Okay. First of all, what can only be described as one of my favorite parts of this whole special is that whoever taped it also got the fact that the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. It would have been better. <laughs> yeah. And Wonder Woman's up there. Yeah, and Wonder Woman. Um, it would have been better had the Incredible Hulk been presented. Well, they knew their they knew their target audience. Yeah. And they knew Star Wars would connect with whoever was watching Incredible Hulk. That's true. So that's that, a good they slot did, to they decide. They did plan it out well. Um, I loved Sponsored by General Motors. Yes. And I'm like, ooh, that's a weird <laughs> sponsor for Star bastards. Wars. So, it actually starts out with some promise. There's Han and Chewie in the pod. right? In the Millennial and Falcon. The, in the Millennial Falcon, yep. And, and they, they do say Han has to get Chewie home. And Han says, I know it's an important day. And, um, and, they, and then they talk about how they're celebrating Life Day. They're going to use light speed to get to Chewie's home planet. Well, now, Han does. Chewie goes... Argh. Yeah, that's a good impression. I like it. The thing is, you can tell at this point... That it's not movie quality production. No. But it's I gave that a pass because it's TV. Right? And it is what it is. So, no, it's not going to have the same production quality, but it, it, it's a pretty good start. And then we get long ago in a galaxy far away, <laughs> which precedes the long list of all the cameos that are in this. Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and then, of course, R2-D2 is R2-D2. Yeah. F. Kenny Baker. Screw Kenny Baker, apparently. James Earl Jones. He's only one of the greatest little people actors of the entire history. Yeah. Screw him. Screw him. James Earl Jones. And then Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy 
that's Chewbacca's family, they don't get any actors' names either. No. Even though they needed oxygen through the whole taping of this. And then we get what can only be called a list of the rejects from Hollywood Squares. Yes. So, <laughs> Beatrice, Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, Jefferson Starship, Hardy Corman, and then the animated Star Wars story. Um, then we see Chewie's home, which looks cool, but it's like a, like a painting. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's an illustration instead of an actual outside shot or even a model. Yeah. It's really cheaply done. I noticed that. But that's, it was just a weird choice. Like, why not have a model, right? It's yeah. just a weird choice. We go inside and it looks like, it looks like a sitcom. I put down, why does Chewie's house and the inside look like Frank Lloyd Wright designed it? I put down, why is there indoor-outdoor carpeting? It looks like mid-century modern. Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's like a mid-century modern bungalow from a 1950s sitcom. Yeah. But with indoor-outdoor carpeting. Yeah. And we meet Chewie's family. Yes. Mala, his wife. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Lovey, his son. No, his son is Itchy. No, Itchy is his dad. That's Lumpy. No, you got it all wrong. I Itchy's did? the grandpa. Lovey is the son. I thought it was the father, Itchy, and the son, Lumpy. I don't think it's Lumpy. I think it's Lovey. But we'll have to look that up later. Um, so then my notes say, there's just all, they're just all grunting and gesturing to each other with no context. This is so bizarre. <laughs> it, it is Lumpy. So Lumpy tries to steal a cookie, and Molly yells at him and makes him take out the trash. Now, she is wearing an apron, which I found strange. Yeah, I have that too. <laughs> yes. I have, why is his wife wearing an apron? She doesn't wear any other clothes. No. She They're wears, covered in fur. Yeah, they wear no other clothes, but she's got an apron on. Like, okay, Chewbacca wears his... The, his bandolier. Right, but that's to have bullets, right? Yeah, that, yeah. It's, it, it's not something that all Wookiees have to wear clothes. They don't. No. And Lumpy and Itchy aren't wearing any clothes. Yeah, they're not. It's very strange. Grandpa is like whittling. And here's the... Okay, so here's the thing. What we're describing doesn't sound that bad. But I want to impress upon people... That this scene literally went on for like six or seven minutes. It was ten minutes. I counted. Did you? It's ten minutes of of grunts and moans in Wookiee speech with no subtitles. Yeah, and cheesy music in so the background. So we have no idea what they're saying to each other. Okay? Right. I, I get that that's how Chewbacca communicates, but Chewbacca always has humans around. Like, like Harrison Ford is right. Han Solo is always like, you're right, Chewie. That yeah. was a great idea. When you don't have anyone to interpret, we're sitting through 10 minutes of nonsense. Yeah. And and also, the thing is, it's just, this is a problem through the whole thing. Every shot is excruciatingly long. Yes. Now, I realize that this is, part of that could be because the director had a problem with multicam before he headed mm-hmm. out. But the other thing is, like, it... Even other sitcoms from the 70s had moved away from that. 
just like the house is mid-century modern, this feels like a 1950s show. Like, if you watch Dick Van Dyke, they'll have a long scene just sitting in the dining room. You know what I'm saying? Right. With no cuts. So that was the pacing here. It, it really was excruciating. I put Mala looks at a thing and I guess it's a picture of their wedding and then she misses him. And then we get, which I did not see these people in the credits, but we get our first variety show act. Yeah, it's like a little game and it's, I, I put down... Ten minutes of grunts. Yeah. Then Cirque, Cirque de Soleil. Yeah, it's basically... it's So this was the, the only thing that I will credit this special with is that they basically are previewing... They're previewing some technology that could be like futuristic tech. They have a few things later that I don't want to get into quite right. yet. But this is the first thing. So basically, it's like a 3D toy and they're circus dancers with, like, ribbons and tumbling. But they're human and not Wookiee. But we're on the Wookiee planet. Right. They're, so dressed that makes in like, no... they're dressed in, like, leotards that make them look like they could be aliens, maybe. But, but they're, they're definitely not Wookiees. I put, what the heck is this acid trip version of the Nutcracker? <laughs> and then I put, WTF, what the F did I just watch? Looking back at my notes, Steve, I put, here's the thing. Some people worked really hard on this. Like, there were some circus performers who were like, I'm going to be featured on TV tomorrow. I'm going to be on the Star Wars with my, special. With my tumbling troupe, right? And, like, a network approved this, and somebody was like, Wookiees with no dialogue, and then there's gymnastics? Sign me up! Like, what the heck? It's so confusing! Then there's like a TV computer combo that's sort of like the internet. That was kind of yeah, neat. and they get a call from Luke Skywalker. Right. So again, we're previewing. It's like this is this part of sci-fi that I do like. Right. Mm -hmm. These are people in 1978 who are like someday we're going to be able to zoom. Right. And there's going to be a global pandemic, and this is how we're all going to communicate. Yes. Yeah, but it is like a Zoom or Skype kind yeah. of call. So we get to see Luke Skywalker in R2-D2. Yeah. So we get a talking from Mark Hamill pre-accident. Right, I, I noted that. Because he has a very fair complexion and very baby-faced um, and a lot of mascara. He he was in a car accident. Yeah, or a he motorcycle? was in a, he he was in a. I know he was in a car accident. I believe between the two movies. And then they is, wrote that. Which in. is why they re. That's why they wrote the the um, the snow monster attack in the beginning right. of of um, Star Wars uh, Empire Strikes Back. So that it, originally he was going to be out, and Han Solo goes out and finds him and brings him back. Mm -hmm. They created the snow monster attack and basically had that whole situation so that the attack on him could um explain the scarring right on his face. because he has some scarring but here yeah he's got a ton of eyeliner on now r2d2 is trying to tell him that something's wrong with this machine he's working on and he's like shut up r2d2 yeah <laughs> once again kenny baker gets the shaft basically yeah, i know um so they're working in a shop, and again, you can kind of see that for the most part, these are segments that these actors did on their own very quickly. Yeah, and they kind of work it in. Basically, it's like we got to. It's it's a Star Wars special. We still have to show the Star Wars cast. 
So they have basically Mala calls him to say, "Hey, you know, Luke, where is where have you seen Chewbacca and Han? Like they're still not right. here yet, basically, because she's waiting for them." The thing is, though, that this he's not the only actor to do this during these scenes. He does a thing called looking down the barrel of the camera, and that's not normally done, right? Tom Hanks very famously made the choice to do that in Philadelphia when he gets his AIDS diagnosis. He looks right because he wants to connect with the audience. So what happens is they're on this, like, for lack of a better word, Zoom call, Mm -hmm. or they're Skyping, or it's a video conference call. And they're supposed to be looking at each other, but instead they're looking right down the barrel of the camera. So it's like he's talking to you, but it's Mm off-putting. Like, it's very awkward. I know. I was just like, pretty Mark Hamill. Let's wrap it up. I know. I also put, why doesn't he just use the force to fix that ship he's working on? <laughs> Megan, that's not how the force works. Um, so she hangs up with him, and then she figures she'll call somebody else. So she calls her friend at the outpost. Yes. Right? So we get to see the Star Wars outpost, and I my first thought was, Oh, good. In the future, the Dollar Tree has survived. Yeah, because it's a very cheap-looking shop. Now, here's where Art Carney comes in, right? Harvey, isn't this, is this Art, this is no. Harvey, uh, no? No, this is Art Carney. Harvey Corman is, uh, he played the guy in the bar. Yes. He played the guy on TV, and then he had one other part. Yes, okay, yeah. right. Um, so, he, tr- so an Imperial Guard comes into this shop, and he goes... Hey, what about this pocket-sized aquarium? And then he goes, he goes, oh, I'm sorry, a wall customer is calling me. So then he starts talking in code, but he's like, that furry rug you wanted, it was made by hand. You might even say she did it solo. Like, the Imperial Guard's not going to pick up on that? And like... Mala doesn't know why, like, he knows why she's calling, and she should know that he, he could just be like, yeah, that package you're expecting is, is a little late, but it's coming. Yeah. Like, it, does he think she's an idiot? I don't know. Does he think that the Imperial, the Imperial officer is an idiot? Yes. And apparently he is. <laughs> and apparently he is, because nobody picks up on this, really. Um, then I put, Mala watches a man, oh, okay, so here's the thing, it, they're all of these again. All of these again are super long segments, right? But it also flips back and forth to different segments with no rhyme or reason. No, because now you've got her cooking. Yeah, and then she's watching somebody on TV doing cooking, and it's Harvey Corman in drag, and he's supposed to be like an alien Julia Child. That's what I thought. Yes, but it's like I, this is where I did fast forward. A couple times, and this Megan. was Steve. You stick stir, it out. whip, stir, whip, 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 stir, and he has four hands, but it's not funny, and it goes on again. This is like a four or five minute bit. Yeah, it, it's like okay. In, in between here, we always have we're kind of jumping it, but yeah. in between all of these, you all you have more of the family talking. Yeah. Okay. In in total, out of the hour thirty eight runtime, I counted almost forty minutes. Of just Wookiee grunts. Yeah. With no one to explain what it no, is. No, it's just them gesturing like they're it's, mimes. It's terrible. Then, and I put in my notes, seriously, who is this for? Because ostensibly this isn't a thing for kids. hmm Right? But all of these guest stars, 
A kid in 1978 is not going to know Harvey Corman, Art Carney. Beatrice Arthur was doing a show called Maud, okay? She was yeah. not even on Golden Girls yet. This is pre-Golden Girls. Do you she was that, a Broadway star. Do you think that they added these people in to grab the parents' attention? I think so, but even and the... And figured that the Star but, Wars would get the kids? Yeah, but Steve, even the parents... Would your parents have cared at all about Diane Carroll and Harvey Corman? These are more for like people my grandparents would like. Do you know yeah, what I'm that's saying? True. Maybe Diane Carroll because she's a singer. Okay, maybe Jefferson Starship. But what I put this is really silent generation as opposed to baby boomers. Silent generation like in between. Right. Greatest generation and baby boomers, kind of like we're in between baby boomers and millennials, but nobody mm-hmm. ever remembers us. Um. Except for our friend Zane from Who Will Save Generation That's X. right. Go listen to his show after this. But yeah, I, I don't understand who this is for. Then we cut back to Harrison Ford, and I put, he's acting his heart out like this is a real movie. He's yeah, the Harrison, only one doing God, God bless Harrison Ford, because he is really trying to pull it in. Even when you can see sunlight through the Millennium Falcon's yeah. cockpit, and you're like, uh, this is not done well. Um, yeah, he's trying hard to really do it. And you find out the Imperials have locked down the planet. Yes. No ships can take off or land. Right. And so they're going to have trouble there. Um, Dollar Store Dan shows up with gifts. (laughs) That's what I'm calling him. Including a mind evaporator. Yep. And he has a thing. He has a disc that goes into like this video chair for Grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa sits in it. And I wrote down, Dollar Store Dan gives Grandpa Wookiee psychedelics. And then it keeps playing, and I put, never mind, it's porn. Yeah, it basically is. Yeah. And he's sitting there while his grandson and a ste- d- daughter are in the room. Yeah. And he is watching this. Now, it's all kaleidoscope. And then Diane Carroll comes out, and she's like, this is for your eyes only. But she's a human? So does yeah. he have a weird human fetish? I think he does, because she's like, I'm whatever you want. Yeah. I'm whatever you need me to be. Yeah. Like... Just you don't even have to think about it because I already know what you want. But again, want. this is and a- I mean it's really, besides the fact that she's got some kind of a scantily clad outfit yeah. on, if she were not, if she were naked, this is porn. It basically is, and and this is in the middle of what is supposed to be a show for kids. Yeah, and also. She, the I can't even again. And the song makes this segment goes on for oh, like six minutes. Oh, it goes on minutes. forever. The kaleidoscope effect before Diane Carroll was like two or three minutes in and of itself. Okay, then she comes on, and it's another, as Steve just said, like five six minutes. It has. I have no idea what's going on here, and and then she starts singing, and then I'm like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with it, and I almost gave up right there. Then we cut back. Now now she's calling, Mala calls C-3PO and Leia. Yes. Now, this, I want you to hear my take on this segment before yours. Okay, go ahead. All right. I see, said, then we see Princess Leia and C-3PO. Carrie Fisher stumbles drunkenly around the desk. Well, a little bit. Yeah, I think she was struggling yeah, with addiction. She, right does, she does her little bit about we don't know where they are, but they should be there soon. I'm sure they're coming. And then, and then I put, Carrie cuts it short to get back to the booze. Well, <laughs> what I put is, why does no one actually want to care about Mala? Because every time she calls somebody, they're like, hey, Mala, is Chewie there? Can you put Chewie on or huh? I'm like, 
You know, she's your friend too. She's trying to call you and be. And I don't your think friend she time. is because in three movies we never hear her mention. That's true. We never see her again. It's they like, talk to. They talk to. She's not even invited to the ceremony where they don't give Chewbacca a medal. Yeah, that's true, Steve. <laughs> this is like an episode of Saved by the Bell, and we never saw them again. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, okay, now. She thinks that it's Chewbacca at the door, and I'm like, maybe, because it's been 39 minutes. So maybe yeah. they and, finally come and, together, and, and then and there's Christmas. And we saw Christmas that Han and Chewie are landing. Yeah. Now, at this point, I thought that there would be Christmas songs. At there this point, I was like, not. they should be wrapping this up now. And then I look right? and go, nope, we no. still got almost an hour left. We had an hour after you guys. We really suffered through this for you. And I have to say, uh, okay... We get stormtroopers, and I put, to be honest, I think so far this is the best part. The guy, there's a guy in a helmet that looks more like that movie with Mel Brooks. Yeah. Spaceballs. That's, that's an, he's an officer. Yeah. Well, yeah. his helmet is ridiculous. Looks like, looks like a uh, dark helmet. Yes. From Yeah. And again, another dumb piece of technology, and it, it, there's some interesting ideas, but they're trying to distract these stormtroopers and the general, right? Yeah. So they give them this thing that's, again, like a little 3D show, but instead of circus performers, this time it's Jefferson Jefferson Starship. Now, okay. Who plays for a good four minutes, probably. I actually put a song break from Jefferson, Airplane, Starship, whatever they're calling themselves this week. Yes. Here's the thing. Um, I didn't say this in the fun facts because I wanted to save it. This band released this as a single after this special like they were like we're proud of this song and we're putting it out as a single yeah and it was like as seen on the star wars special because everybody else was like let's just pretend that never happened Mm. um yeah so the cartoon then we come to the cartoon which comes again out of nowhere now all of a sudden we have a cartoon version of oh the sun is like watching something. Yeah, the sun's watching this on like a kind of TV. But we don't know how that happened. No, he told us, but it's Wookiee language that no one so knows. So we don't know. Um, listen, I want to start a school. You know how they have Klingon? Yeah. We can learn Wookiee. This cartoon, I, I'm just ignoring that. This cartoon <laughs> is 20 minutes out of the hour and 30 minute mo- yeah. show. And it looks like. So the style of this, I understand, was supposed to be in this particular guy's style. Fantasy, surrealism. It looks like those cartoon breaks on Sesame Street. One, two, three, four, five, yes. six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It looks like those. Yeah. And it's really... there, But it has a better storyline and more narrative tension than the whole and, rest. And he's caricatured the faces of the... Right. Of, like, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. It, and Mark Hamill, Luke has no pupils. Yeah. He has very light blue eyes with no pupils yeah. in them, which is super creepy, and I did not like it. So, they land on what I called a jelly moon, where there are basically dinosaurs. <laughs> and they shoot at the dinosaurs, but the dinosaurs like to eat the energy. Yeah. So... They leave the ship behind, and then the jelly dinosaur eats it. Yeah, they meet <laughs> Boba Fett. Yes. Who 
pretends to help them, but we find out is working for the Empire. Well, again, what's interesting is I didn't realize that this was his first appearance. So I put, I thought he was a bad guy, question mark. And I put, also, he beats his dinosaur horse and calls it dumb, which I don't care for. Yeah, that's the that's the little hint that he's not a good guy. Well, you him. know he's not a good guy, because who would talk to their horse like that? I don't like that. No, well, it's a dinosaur monster, but it's But he's still. riding it like a horse. And he's like, you just gotta beat these things. Yeah, they I don't, don't know like, any better. I don't care for that. Um, then Boba Fett ties up Chewie. Now they're trying to get some kind of talisman, right? Yeah. But it's been contaminated by a sleeping virus. I don't. Even, yeah. It makes any know. humans go to sleep. Right. So R2D2 is safe, but he ties up Chewie and then he hangs him upside down and Han Solo. Yeah. And they're hanging upside down like, like flies from a. A spider's web, basically. Right. To make the blood rush to their head. Then he contacts Darth Vader, and I put in my notes, I still don't understand how the kid is watching this on TV. <laughs> I don't get it at all. Oh, I don't know. And then the cartoon ends with them realizing that he's a bounty hunter and the right-hand man. I put, maybe R2-D2 should have told them earlier. Because he seemed to know. And then, yeah. and then Han Solo goes, Chewie knew the whole time. And Chewie goes, Wah! and Han Solo goes, "That's he didn't smell right. And then they all laugh and that's the end of the cartoon. Mm. But having said that, the storyline there isn't bad. I don't understand why they didn't just make this whole thing a cartoon. Or just put out that piece as like a half hour Star Wars holiday right. special. And have a, a thing at the beginning of them trying to get home, a thing at the end of Life Day, and it could have been a half hour. Yeah. That would have been so much better. And then they could have kept it canon. I agree, yeah. I it, It's so, so, every choice, I don't, every choice that they make makes no sense, and I would have made a different choice every single yeah. time. Yeah, so this goes, now it cuts back to the live action, I want to say, ironically, um... And the stormtroopers are continuing to trash the Wookiee rookie house. Yeah. Looking for any evidence that they might be part of the rebellion. So Lumpy is now watching an instructional guide on how to do some kind of electronic repair. It's a transmitter. So it's, it's how to how to how to put it together. It's Harvey Corman again, so this is the third thing. Yeah, and this goes on, too, for like six or seven it minutes. It goes on for so long. The tape freezes, it skips, It's he slurs his speech, he passes out. I mean, it's so strange. So the, It is so strange. The kid finally creepy. gets this cut put together, and it allows him to make a fake call to the stormtroopers, making it sound like they've been called back to base. Right. So they all leave and just leave one stormtrooper to guard. Which, again, there's a point to it, but why Why the long... So Lumpy's kind of smart, but it's just taking them a long time to do this. Yeah. So, B. Arthur is finally here. And I put, she's acting her heart out like she's back on Broadway. Yeah, and she's, this is like a Life on Tatooine show. Yeah. Again. She's the Guinan of the Star Wars universe. She is. Because <laughs> she runs the cantina. Yeah, it brings us to the cantina of Mos Eisley from the first movie, where... Obi-Wan and, um, where Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker meet Han Solo for the first time. Right. But this is like life on Tatooine, and it just basically shows her hanging out with 
normal cantina people. Yeah, and Harvey Corman comes up in yet another weird outfit. And again, talks directly to camera. And he is like an alien, and he hits on her, and then he pours a drink into the top of his head. And he gives her a flower. So there's these like weird side story about how he met her in this bar, and she said she'd be waiting for him. And he, she's not into him, but he's like stalking her. And then he, she sings a song. Then she sings a song, and she can talk, sing, but she kind of talk sings. And it's just one more round, my f- just one more round, friend. And this was about the only good song. Yeah, agreed. in this whole thing. And I'm including the Jefferson Starship song. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So there's banter and whatever, and then she, somebody else. He goes, just the words you said to me, those six little words. And then somebody else leaves the bar and she goes, come back soon. I'll be waiting. And you realize she says it to everyone and he's heartbroken and he leaves too silently. And then that's it. That's a dark, that's a dark part of Tatooine. Yeah. But again, Steve, it's like a weird, like that's an adult storyline. Yeah. And I don't mean adult like Diane Carroll adult, but why is it here? And I don't understand that. I don't. This is what happens when you have like six writers and no direction. Yeah. So they come They come back to... Um, Han and Chewbacca. Han and Chewbacca return home. They get rid of the stormtrooper. They throw him off the deck. And Wookiees live in trees, so it's like 100 feet down. Yeah. Um, And then the dollar store Dan shows back up. And then they just they basically go into celebrating Life Day. Right. So the traitor stole the ID off an officer. Right. And so that's how he... So they asked the officer to check back in, the one they threw off. Mm-hmm. And he checks in and says, oh, those guys came in, but they took off for the hills. And they go, oh, okay. And then that's it. So now we have... The Wookiees are all in these red robes. Because they didn't want to make costumes. They celebrate Life Day. And first we just see C-3PO and R2-D2 just standing there staring at them like creepers. Yep. Sobered up Carrie Fisher shows up. Okay. And she gives a speech and then sings a song for us. See, I feel bad. Contractually. I feel bad because, you know, she struggled with addiction legitimately. She struggled with this with this holiday special. <laughs> I think stop. we all did. So she says... I mean, I now know maybe what the trauma was that led to the addiction. Steve. It was this holiday special. That's not nice. <laughs> I have to bleep you out. Never mention the word addiction <laughs> in Star Wars holiday <laughs> special. So she says, she says, this holiday is yours, but we all hope that this brings us closer to harmony and peace. And then she goes on to talk about like dedication and courage. And then she's like, this is the promise of the tree of life. Why are you mansplaining their holiday to them, Carrie Fisher? Because Princess Leia's, yeah. This is a Wookiee Mala, holiday. Mala's like, ah. And she's like, shut up, Mala. Yeah. I'm, 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 can't you see I'm <laughs> giving a speech and then I'm going to sing a song for all of you she, heathens? Yeah. Then she sings a song and I put... It's okay, but honestly, my mom could do better. But my mom's got some pipes. Mm. So, to be fair. It wasn't terrible. The singing wasn't terrible. But the words are ridiculous. Yes. And it basically just ruins John Williams' score. They were like, hey, how can we take this beautiful piece of orchestral music and just crap all over it? 
And they were like, I know. They Let's like, make a holiday They special. were like, well, you know, Carrie Fisher could contractually gets to sing. Yeah. And, and she, they were like, bingo. She's really reaching for those high notes. And then we get a bunch of clips at the end. Yeah, they're just they're just clips of like the first of, movie. Of the first movie, not even the next yeah, movie. It's just it's for nostalgia. So. Here's the thing. I could understand if the clips were from the next movie. Like, okay, yeah. this was a it's piece of it's crap. It's because it's life day and we're supposed to be thankful for everything we have. So they're reminiscing on all the good times we had in the first movie. It, yeah, it makes no sense. It's no. so bizarre. And, and the it, clips are the best produ- produced part of the show. Yeah. well, Because it was a movie. movie. Yeah. So my final note is that I put, it's no Muppet Family Christmas. That's all I'm saying. That was my final note. It, this is the this is could, the strange. Could John Denver have even made this better? Mm, we don't know. I don't think so. I mean, if John, if they had had John Denver in, and then there's a country song in the middle right after Diane Carroll sexes up the, Megan, the grandpa. I finished this and I was speechless. Yeah, literally, I was dumbfounded. I had no idea what I just watched. Listen, listen. We have watched. We watched Small Wonder last week. Thanksgiving Small Wonder. Yes. We watched Strawberry Shortcake, which was not great. We have watched Manimal, we watched. So we've watched some things that were bizarre. Mm-hmm. This is on a whole other level, man. Yeah. A whole other yeah. level. So and I get, but don't get into it too much until we right. talk about response. Critical response and oh, reception. God. I can't even. The special was universally lambasted by critics. You don't say. Surprisingly. I mean, really. Audiences, even Star Wars fans. um, Jerry Buck, for the Associated Press, called this bubblegum for the brain. I don't even think that that's true. I think it's beyond that. Nathan Rabin, another, another critic, wrote... I'm not convinced the special wasn't ultimately written and directed by a sentient bag of cocaine. (laughs) That's accurate. The 100 Dumbest Events in Television History ranked the holiday special number one, calling it the worst two hours of television ever. All right. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes, the film received 25% approval rating. How is that even possible? Based on 16 reviews. Oh, okay. So, like, there's a couple Star Wars super fans who, like, really liked it, and other people were honest. That's what I'm hearing from you right now. Yeah, Nathan Rabin, the guy that said that it seemed like it was directed and written by a bag of cocaine, also said the cartoon section... Feels worthy of being canon and not a hy- hypnotic, insane aberration. Yeah. Like the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So that's what the... Was, was that it? Do you have one more? No, that's that's what I have. Mark Hamill said... Six Academy Awards. No, Megan, there's no Academy Awards. George Lucas said that he wanted to find all the co- bootleg copies and smash them with a sledgehammer. I don't blame you. I have to say, because you said like people weren't sure if he was he was not at all connected to this. Mark Hamill said that um, they should not do that and that they should replay it again to show that they're fallible, right? That Star Wars isn't the end-all, be-all. Like, he thinks it's kind of funny. B. Arthur, like pretty much tried to erase this from her resume. <laughs> but I don't think she knew the whole thing. 
Right, that's Nobody the thing. did. That she, Mark Hamill didn't. Carrie Fisher no, didn't. They, they might, only had their they little four-minute segment. And they had no idea. Yeah, I think I, that's pretty clear. I feel like this was put together... Only Harvey Corman knew the whole like deal. Like you said, this was put together by like 30 people. Yeah. Who all had different ideas of what it was going to be. And then it just got mashed together. And long takes. This... Megan, this is the worst thing I've ever seen on TV. Yeah, I think that I have to agree. And I've watched some garbage. Listen, I didn't think that we could get worse than Small Wonder last week. This was terrible. I rated Small Wonder at two. At least I, I knew what even, was going on in Star, uh, Small Wonder. I can't even give this a There wookie. was times where I was like, I don't know what the hell <laughs> yeah, this is. I know. Because it's just miming. But they have bad fursuits on. It was a hot pile of Megan, garbage. Megan, if, if you're watching the same show, yeah. a holiday special for kids, and at one point you're like, this, this is, is 20 minutes of of grunts. Yeah. Okay. At another time you're like, that's Jefferson Starship. Yeah. And another time you're like, is that old Wookiee watching porn? Yeah. This is not a good... Th- no. Those things don't go together. Nothing goes together. I have to I have to tell you. I, I said last week, I was like, go watch Small Wonder because it's so bad it's good. Right? It is. It's campy 80s. Like, it is not good. I think we gave it a two and a half. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to put this on our Facebook. You guys, don't watch it. Don't watch this because it is, it is literally... I, Steve, what First Steve off, just I said. don't think you're going to get through the hour 38 minutes. Because if I didn't have to finish watching this for so we could do yeah. this review, I would have shut it off way and earlier. And I did fast forward through a few of the musical segments. I couldn't take it. It was so mind-blowing. And, okay, the worst movie I ever saw was um, Tom Green movie, Freddy Got Fingered. Okay, Yeah, that was pretty bad. This... Is Any Polly Shore movie. This is in the category of that. Um, oh, what's the Little Nicky with Adam Sandler? That was pretty bad, yeah. Somebody maybe watched this that This is one. worse. This is way worse. Those things had plots, at least. I would rather watch the Tom Green movie again than this. And that was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Up until this I, point. I'm going to give this half a Wookiee. No, I'm not even. No. There's no zero on our scale. We can't give a zero. Half a Wookiee, Megan. All right. I'm going to cut a Wookiee in half. Well, and that Wookiee just got put out of its misery. It did. Because it didn't it's, have to sit through It's a this. kindness it's, that I just did for that Wookiee. It's a great kindness. I'm also... Okay, I was going to give it a zero, but I will, I'll go with you. I'll give it a half. Okay? Okay. So... Yeah! Half, half a Wookiee Wookie out of ten. Out of ten, you guys. Not out of five. Out of half ten. a Wookiee. At least we had a good candy. Yeah, the candy was awesome. At least we had a good candy this week. I wish I'd eaten it while I was being tortured by this. Oh my gosh. So, here's what we have coming up. Alright, this is episode 47 of our podcast. Episode 48, uh, we already had What Is Steve Willing to Watch? And he wanted Silver Spoons. Yep. And we're a little bit behind, so we're actually going to watch their Thanksgiving specials as well. For next week. Double episode for next week. Then after that, we have our Christmas special. Yep. That's episode 49, and that is Scrooged, yep. which I at least know is good. We know that's good. <laughs> so it'll be something fun to talk and about. And then our 50th episode extravaganza. Yes, I'm so excited. That will not be a review, guys, just yeah. so you're aware. It's going to be a special awards game. Yeah, we're going to have, so we'll give a little bit, we've been giving little hints about what we're doing. Um, my, We've had Steve's brother on the show before. 
one of your brothers. Yep, Kevin was on for the rad Father's Day episode. So this time we're going to have my brother, Tim. And what we're doing is we're going to play a game like Versus. And we're going to have different categories. And for each category, we're going to pit two of us against each other. And the third person's going to act as judge. Yep. So something like to choose best movies of of different uh, different right categories. or best show with a studio audience yes things that of that kind nature of thing. and we have a special snack that I don't want to give away because you have to tune in you'll have to tune in and also I don't I don't know what it is I yet. will give you this spoiler <laughs> it's it's unsponsored oh I think Tim came up with the snack yeah that he wanted so we're gonna go with Tim's uh, idea for the snack and we're gonna play a game and it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of good like. Gen X elder millennial uh, memories because yeah. that Tim's a little bit younger than we are. So I think it'll be a, a wonderful extravaganza. And then we're going to take a break and we're going to come back for season two. Yeah. So, so that's what we have. Super excited. Super excited. Uh, so stay tuned with us through the rest of the week and um, that's it. Have a great Thanksgiving. Ha- have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for being with us for 47 episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.